Hi friends, this is Jojo. April and I recorded this episode back in May, and since then there has been a slight update. Colorete Cosmetics is actually taking some time to reshift and is not currently operating at the moment. We still wanted to share this episode with you all because it still touches on some really important topics that we really care about, such as Asian representation in the beauty industry. So we hope you still enjoy this episode and continue to support Johanna on all of her future ventures. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Asian Global Podcast. Today, Jojo and I are chatting with Johanna, founder of Colorate, which actually means lipstick in Tagalog which I think is really cool. This brand has been featured in Who, What, Where, Hype, and more. Today, we're going to talk about Colorate's background, how Johanna started this brand, her experience so far, any challenges she's faced. And then we're going to jump into chatting about Asian representation in beauty industry. So yeah, we're really excited to talk with you, Johanna. I know I gave a super brief intro on you and the brand, but could you tell us a little bit more about what you've been up to? Yeah, first of all, thank you girls so much for inviting me on your podcast. I'm so excited. Like, I feel like the conversation today would be super, super valuable to all the listeners out there. So yeah, I'm great. I'm so excited to really share my story because I think so many people, especially immigrants like me, who would really relate. So let's jump into it. (laughs) Awesome. So I guess we'll start with something easy. How did you start your brand? What inspired you? I was born and raised in the Philippines. From a very young age, I knew I would be passionate about fashion and beauty. I remember when I was a kid, like, my family would always call me Kikai. It's a Tagalog word. And it means fuzzy because I, I accessorize so much. <laughs> oh my I, gosh, it's so I, yeah. <laughs> I learned makeup at a very young age, like, still in my primary school. I think I already learned how to apply lipstick and stuff. So I'm very passionate about it. And then after graduating Aww. from the University of Santo Tomas, which is the oldest existing university in Asia, I took additional fashion and makeup courses at School of Fashion and Arts just to, I don't know, to kind of enhance my skills because I'm not a professional makeup artist or whatever. Well, you <laughs> could have fooled us because you look great. Yeah. <laughs> no, girl, I fail. I remember when I was at school, like, my professor teaching me how to make eyebrows and I always ask my classmate, can you, can you do mine? Like, ah, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> well, that's oh, why no. Jojo and I have our eyebrows tattooed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the best. It's the best invention. And then in 2017, I decided to move to the U.S. And as a first generation immigrant, you know, I had to start from scratch. I was jobless for a year. It was really tough. And because I know I'm creative, I was able to do both fashion and makeup in one and then in 2018 i started doing content creation on my personal instagram and became a social media influencer and then within two years you know i was able to grow my account from 2k to 20k and then in 2019 i was able to land a job here in sf as a social media manager where i actually met my business partner it's very cool like she handles like the product operations i handle the social media so we collaborate so much on you know product launches and other stuff that's that's how the chemistry kind of you know (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) was the brand that you both worked on beauty related Actually, no. It's actually about all oh. about home goods, so it's hmm, okay. So different, but no. I mean, <laughs> I can see how there's like overlap. It's about like the aesthetics and like the style, and yeah, and, and also like how to work in like e-commerce, basically. That's mm-hmm. that's how we build a relationship. 
And then yeah. in October of 2020, I asked my partner if she has connections in the beauty industry because it's my dream to start my own lipstick line. And then so fast forward to today, Colorete was born October of 2021 of last year. And then with my growing passion for community building and representation, inclusivity, Colorete's brand name, as you mentioned, is derived from my culture, which is the Filipino word for lipstick or makeup. So I am the woman behind Colorete's vision, giving it a title, the first Filipino-owned lipstick brand in the USA market. Woo! Yeah, I love that. <laughs> okay. That's amazing. But when we're talking about like inspirations, though, there are... I would say three major inspirations on why I started Colorete. Number one, as mentioned earlier, it's my dream to start my own lipstick line because of its confidence boosting cosmetics. Girls, let's be honest. Lipstick is the OG. <laughs> most like confidence boosting cosmetic, not eyebrows. Let's be honest. <laughs> lipstick first before eyebrows. And then number two, I struggled my whole life finding that one perfect lipstick that won't make my lips dry because unfortunately, genetically, Having dry lips is a common lip prob- problem for Filipinos. It's very common. My dad has dry lips. My brothers, like everyone in our family has dry lips. And there, that's the reason why I wanted to create the most hydrating lipstick out there. When we're doing the market research, I've tried 10 natural lipsticks. Most of them made my lips dry. And I was like, I know I can make the most hydrating lipstick out there. It's impossible. Like, <laughs> there's nobody. So that's also like my inspiration to create the most hydrating lipstick. And then the third inspiration as a five-year immigrant, I really saw a lack of representation in the beauty industry here in America, considering that statistically, Filipinos are the third largest Asian group here in this country next to Chinese and Indians, yet we're really underrepresented. So that's why I was like, it's time. It's time for us to shine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so basically, yeah, those three really what pushed me to start Clarete. I love that. Beautiful. So I know you mentioned or like briefly touched on what that process looked like. You found your amazing partner through your last company. What did that whole process look like so you officially launched i think you said like october 2021 right so when did you have the idea when was it officially launched and what were maybe like the key milestones in between so for example was it really hard to find a manufacturer was it really hard to make the perfect shade really tough like (laughs) being an entrepreneur it's not for everybody it's really 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 difficult so i started thinking about it october 2020 and then my partner and I started working on it, like brainstorming with the branding and all of those things, February of 2021. And then from March till July, we're just doing like research, formulations. And one edge of Colorette is actually our products and our formulas are not private label, meaning my partner is doing the formulation. So you cannot find our formulas everywhere else because she literally creates our lipstick from her own kitchen. We used to... Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like, you know, Breaking Bad. Like, <laughs> 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 um, But it's... Because we tried to, like, work with the laboratory, but they couldn't deliver for some reason. And I'm not really satisfied with the work that they've done. So we're like, why not let's just do it handmade because we're small anyways. We're not going to be, you know, needing, like, 2,000 
quantities of lipsticks to start. So right now we're hand making our lipsticks and it's amazing. <laughs> wow. Okay. So like the packaging and everything, you buy that and then create that at home and that's your final product. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, like it's very fun actually to do the product development, like seeing your vision comes into reality. Like, oh, I like, I want this like gold and black to be luxurious and elevated look. And then when you see it in person, you're like, ah, it's so pretty. And then you're just so excited to sell. <laughs> it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a fun but difficult journey, I would say. If you had to pinpoint one exact moment, because I'm sure there was a lot, like what would you say was maybe the most challenging moment for you? And maybe what was the most rewarding? Oh my gosh. When I'm thinking about this, like so many challenges. <laughs> I'm kidding. But personally, <laughs> personally, it's really, really, truly rewarding and fulfilling knowing that I am creating something new and actually the first in the USA market that I am creating an impact on the current and future generations and that I am filling a gap in the beauty industry. Every time I think of those, I think that's really rewarding for me. Like the messages I receive on a daily basis from people I don't even know or the people in the community is really what pushes me to do what I do every day. Like, okay, sample of messages that I receive on a daily basis. Like, I always receive something like, it's the first Filipino-owned brand I've seen in the U.S. I'm so proud to see Coloretta in the field. And even like there's this one mom who DM'd me on my personal Instagram and she said, She's raising a child, and by seeing Coloretta, she can tell her daughter that she can be who she wants to be. And uh, I, I, I literally like, oh, like, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, it's, it's really heartwarming. So I think personally, yeah, those are my rewards. But on the other hand, though, since there are only a few Philippine-owned or Asian-owned brands in the beauty space, and we've never been in the scene before, actually. I think Filipino beauty is really underrated. And for that, it is challenging to introduce who we are and what we offer and what we can do. But I want to turn those challenges into an opportunity. And I hope people will see us more and give us an opportunity and chance to shine through. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Like, let's be honest. Have you seen a Filipino model in Sephora? Like, <laughs> Honestly, no. Girl, that's a good, that's a good point. <laughs> I didn't have a question. I have more so like a thought because as a Korean person, K-beauty has been around for so long and people use it as a standard to be like compared to. So you're right in that people don't talk about like Philippines when they mention like beauty. So I love that you are really like trailblazing for your own country. And I think that's beautiful because like you said, I have so many Filipino, Filipina friends that would probably love yeah. your products. <laughs> yeah, it's real. It's really true. Like it's, it's the reality. Like we Filipinos, we love K beauty or even K pop or K drama. Everything Korean, right. for example. Like <laughs> we love it. We support it. <laughs> That's why I'm like I feel like in the next coming years or generation, like we definitely need to start now and create an impact for the betterment of the future yeah, yeah definitely because it's like you can't rely on someone else to do it like you're taking charge and being that person for you know everyone else yeah that's why asian representation important <laughs> are there any like other asian american brands or other asian brands that you take inspiration from or just 
ones that you really like in your day to day? Like what's in your makeup bag? Like we want to know. <laughs> yeah. Girl, I'm wearing it right now. My <laughs> hair extensions from insert name here. I was going to ask you if it was INH hair because I also have a bunch of those and I love them. <laughs> yeah, co-founded by an Asian yeah. woman and also my lashes by Glamnetic, which is also... I, I was going <laughs> to guess Glamnetic. We also love Glamnetics in this household. <laughs> so, CEO founded by Asian women. So, what else? Right now, <laughs> that's it. But... Other Asian-owned <laughs> beauty brands, I would say Clean Circle, which they offer beauty tools like reusable beauty pads. She's also owned by an Asian woman. Actually, Tinted, Live Tinted, like the makeup brand owned by Indian woman. I love that brand too. So yeah, those are my favorite. Yeah, Asian-owned oh, brands so far. We love that. We should make like a little graphic for Instagram <laughs> that has all of these favorites of yours. For me personally, I think one of my favorite Asian-owned brands is, I think they're pretty widely known and more popular now, but they're called Tower 28. Yes! I love- you talk about Tower yeah. 28 so I know, much. <laughs> I know, JoJo knows. I talk about it all the time. I really love their um, blush product. Like I think, I'm not wearing it right now, but normally if I was wearing makeup, I would be wearing it. I actually applied for their beauty school but they they rejected me this year because they said i'm still like very uh, you know baby like very new and i'll just apply in next year but yeah yeah, i applied and i was like i love this brand tower oh (laughs) i didn't know they had beauty school on the note of favorite asian-owned beauty brands though i have been loving m cosmetics okay i'm sure we're all familiar from michelle fan and she's like the first makeup og like youtuber like pretty og So seeing her come back from like a little hiatus to launch her own beauty brand, I think was really inspiring and cool. And I don't know if you've tried it, but I like am obsessed with her cream contour that we got. Yeah, Yeah, I really like it. And for these, I don't know, I think it's very, for one person to start a business, it's it's already like, I don't know, it's, I couldn't even put into words my thoughts, it's. Oh, I can't explain the feeling when you start a business. I cannot. I cannot. I feel like you have to be very vulnerable. You're like putting out your like heart and soul into this thing you're building from scratch, whether it's like with partners or not. So I think that's what yeah. is the scariest thing when I think about it. Oh, every time I think about my journey, it's still I'm still far, you know, from the finish line, I would say like, it's kind of like every day you are solving something as a founder, especially as a founder and you're operating the business yourself. Every day you have to figure out a thing Mm -hmm. on your business and not everyone can do that. It's a skill. I think it'd be really great now to jump into the Asian representation portion of this episode. So I guess the first question I want to know is why should people be thinking about this? Yes, Asian representation is important because it affects us on a personal and on a deeper level growing up, physically, mentally, emotionally, and socially. Imagine like growing up, not seeing a person who looks like you on brand advertisements. Imagine growing up having a perception of what it is to be beautiful. Imagine growing up not content with how we look and wish we look like them. And imagine growing up despising how we look. The reason why for me it's important to make a change and and be better in representation now in the beauty industry is because I've experienced all those stuff. And I don't want the future generations of the AAPI community to go through what I have gone through 
And for me, let us not make them experience all these traumas and struggles growing up. Instead, let them be more accepting of themselves, be proud of themselves, and love themselves more than ever. That's why, to me, Asian representation is very, very important. Yeah, that's perfect. Because even for us, I mean, I have no idea how old you are, but for like <laughs> us, like growing up in America, like I, I'm from California and, you know, in middle school, I was obsessed with Seventeen magazine, right? <laughs> I don't know if you know what that is, but I loved it. It was just those magazines that, you know, all the kids my age loved. And, you know, like you said, like all the models, all the beauty tips and everything is very Eurocentric. It's made for people that don't look like me necessarily. And sure, like some things could apply every now and then we'll see like the token person of color as a model, you know, kind of on the side, maybe a little bit hidden. And I don't think, you know, when you're that young, you really realize how that can affect you, you know, but as you grow older, you start seeing like different things. And I think especially in the more recent years, we've seen some more and more representation, like especially in the media and movies and things like that. And that's when you really realize like, wow, growing up, where was all of this? But as a child, you're not really thinking about that yet. So definitely it is very important for the kids of today who want to look at these magazines, like to see people like themselves and to feel like they can relate because they are considered quote unquote, the beauty standard. Yeah, I agree. Going up, My inspirations are Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, oh my gosh, like Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana, like these are my inspos growing up and I was blonde for 10 years. (laughs) But I mean, no, you know, all respect, all due respect, like I just really wanted to look like them because I felt really beautiful that time, so... (laughs) Yeah, and and they were considered the standard almost. So, you know, you want to feel good and and look like that. I don't know how media was in the Philippines. Like if you consumed a lot of like American media, it sounds like you did because I myself was a huge Disney girl growing up. And like the only Asian representation we had was Brenda Song. So I was kind of obsessed with her. But like just Brenda Song is not enough, you know? But at the time, like you don't know that. So that's kind of why I was obsessed with her. And in my mind, I was like, oh, if I was ever cast in Disney, I could be (laughs) Brenda Song's little sister. Like, that was literally my thought process. Like, no one else I couldn't relate to in that way. But I think that's why I also was a big YouTuber, as in, like, I consumed a lot of YouTube because there was a lot of Asian representation on YouTube in, like, all forms of content, whether it was, like, comedy or beauty or, like, just, like, stupid stuff. Like, I feel like... (laughs) Asians kind of like dominated early YouTube. Yeah. But also when you say like in the in the Philippines, for example, like yes, like we are really influenced by, you know, the American TV shows. But at the same time, in our local TV shows, what's interesting is that all the celebrities in the Philippines are actresses or models. They are always mixed. Filipino-British. Filipino-Australian. Filipino American, Filipino Chinese, like wow, they look different. They still look different. Like, they, they still don't look like me, basically. And they're all like tall, and they have good English accents, and that's that's really what our local TV shows look like. So yeah, yeah, and I think wow. that's actually you know I actually think that still rings true to a certain extent today. Maybe it's improving a little bit, but I totally know what you mean by like. <laughs> 
all the token Asian characters nowadays, like sometimes they look a little bit racially ambiguous, you know, like yeah. they look Asian, but like they could be something else. Like they're definitely mixed. I definitely notice that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's actually a really, or really... I don't know if you watched All the Boys. Yes. On Netflix. I love that. <laughs> but for example, that family is supposed to be half white and half Korean, right? But I was confused why the casting was done that way. Like I'm sure... I'm sure they could have found people that were like true to that yeah. ethnicity that they were representing, but it was weird that like one of the daughters was actually like half white and half Chinese and one is like fully Vietnamese, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> and then one is like Filipina mixed, I think. I think it is a step forward, but, but I am a little like <laughs> confused by it, you know? Yeah, no, I totally know what you mean because there definitely is that feeling of the othering and looking at all Asians as a monolith. You know, people could see the three of us, we're three different Asian ethnicities, but they'll just be like, oh, those are the the Chinese girls, like the whatever girls, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just what we see like all the time. So yeah, that's a really good point, Jojo. Like I didn't even realize. Yeah. And have you girls experienced this? Like when you go or when you talk to some as a stranger, for example, like I always get this question like, what are you? Yes. <laughs> oh, of course. Or where are you really from? <laughs> What, what kind of Asian are you? Like, are you Japanese? Like, no, I'm Philippine actually. <laughs> and then you have to explain why you look, why you look this way. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. No, I think that's something very, very common that a lot of Asian people and maybe especially Asian women get asked, especially when you're when you travel. I don't know if you've noticed that, but whenever I'm in other countries too. Maybe I get asked that a little bit more, and then it's yeah. like, what are you gonna do with my answer? Like after I tell you, does that change how you see me? Like, why, why are you asking that? I think maybe, like, it's their way of just wanting to learn to meet you and, like, say hi. Maybe it's, like, a cultural difference. I don't know. But I, it's not great when people just come to you about saying hello and just be like, what are you? But I think the worst is when they assume they know what you are and then give you a greeting, like, yeah. uh, ni hao or whatever. And it's like, excuse me? It's always ni hao. That's all anyone ever knows. I remember when I was studying abroad back in college, at the end of the semester, I, I was joking to my friends, like, I've collected all the Asian hellos. Like, I've gotten, like, konnichiwa, like, ni like all these things and I'm just like why are you talking to me like I don't know you like it's so it's so weird yeah I was just in Europe and this guy he didn't even say anything he did he started doing like taekwondo moves and I was with like three other Asian girls and we were just like what do you want me to do with that like do you want me to do it back to you like excuse me and then we just walked away like what? <laughs> I'm so sorry you experienced that. But similar to me, when I went to this server in the restaurant, he's like, arigato, arigato. And then like trying me to invite in his restaurant. And I was like, is that me? <laughs> is, he, is he talking to me? Like, that's, I'm not Japanese. Like, it's, I don't know, all these experiences. Yeah. I mean, it's real. It's happening. <laughs> and, you know, these are definitely microaggressions. And personally, like, I've been lucky enough to never have been felt like I was, you know, in harm's way or anything like that. It's more so just annoying because it's like, who are you talking to? Like, I don't speak that language, whatever. But, you know, that's not everyone's experience. Like, people go through very traumatizing events where it does put them in situations where they feel like they should be afraid. That's something to think about too, because just because I personally didn't experience that doesn't mean that yeah. that's not common. So in the perfect world, like this wouldn't even happen at all, because if I was a girl traveling by myself, that could be very scary if someone's coming up to me and just like trying to talk to me and ask me yeah. like, what I am. Yeah. I mean, like cultural differences aside, it's 
not okay, obviously, but especially in America, I unfortunately have been victim to feeling like I was unsafe in a situation and I was with another Asian friend of ours and it was at the peak of COVID, the beginning of COVID when, you know, like I feel like Asian hate was starting to really ramp up and it was actually in Brooklyn Oh, and I just remember feeling so, I didn't even know how to feel because there was nothing to like use as an example because I had never been attacked like that before verbally. Pretty much this guy in the park told me and my friend to go back where you brought COVID from. Oh my gosh. I was like, I think I'm pretty good about like verbally protecting myself, but physically someone can definitely like take me down. I'm a petite girl. Like it's, it's hard, but I yelled at him and I said, I'm from America, you bitch. <laughs> It was a lot, but you know, like I think so that's why more than ever, like representation matters today and it will forever. Yeah, because I think a lot of those negative stereotypes and negative sentiments towards Asian Americans is just at the end of the day, it's really just based on ignorance and not knowing. And I think almost being afraid of not knowing. So you just assume there's these certain truths, but with more representation across all categories, all verticals, not just beauty, but everything is how people are going to see more Asians everywhere. And then therefore, hopefully learn that, you know, we're not a monolith and we're not just people that you feel like you can bully whenever you want. Yeah. Snap, sisters. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love this topic. Yeah, this yeah. is great. Jono, I would love to hear more about your experience in the Philippines, because I know that's where you grew up. And I know we talked about this a little bit already, but were there certain beauty standards that you felt like you had to follow growing up? Yeah, 100%. I used to apply whitening lotion every single night. I used to use papaya soap when showering. I used to drink growth vitamins from China, because I, I believe in that growth vitamins to be taller. And as mentioned, I don't know if it worked because <laughs> I tried to drink that when I was like 12 to 14 because I was really tiny. And then uh, my my mom's friend just introduced me to this Chinese medicine. And of course, I, I was like, okay, let's do it because I really want to be tall. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also like, yeah, I, I was blonde when I was there. And then I also had lash extensions for four years. Like every two weeks, I like go to my lash yep, extensions. me and too. Because in the Philippines, when you're lighter skin or if you have like a high nose bridge, that's the image of beautiful and not morena, which is like the dark skin girls. But I think like over the years, like I think we are, we're getting better at it. Like we are now more inclusive and we're now... People now accept like the Morena beauty and which is amazing. And but like growing up, like it's really, really difficult, I would say. The first time I've ever heard of papaya soap was actually when I was in middle school and one of my best friends now, she just immigrated to America from the Philippines. Oh my gosh. And she gave me a bar because she was like, Oh, you should like see what this is. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Like I didn't understand. I was kind of like, Oh, that's amazing. Like I can't believe a soap can do that. But now that I'm older, she and I actually talked about it recently. We were like, that, that was crazy. <laughs> that we were like in middle school and being like, yeah, like whitening soap and whatever. So definitely I feel like there was, it seems like there was a lot of pressure from yeah. like different societal norms, and specifically in the Philippines, to look a certain way. And if you didn't fit that mold, 
then what happens? Like, are you just cast aside? You know, like that shouldn't be how it is either. Exactly. Because when you see like, you know, the billboards and the freeways, like you will not see a dark skinned model up there ever. <laughs> You'll always see, again, like the the lighter skin tone models, which is usually half something else. And it's very frustrating because I was like, I did a lot of TV commercial auditions in the Philippines, but oh. but they, I rejected to all of them because of my height. Opportunities that I couldn't get because of these specific beauty standards that are my country, my home country, usually is looking for. <laughs> Which is sad, but it's okay. Now I'm in a better position mentally and I love myself, so that's great. Aww. It's really tough. <laughs> At least in America, I'm noticing a lot more brands that are specifically like owned by women of color that have a wider range of foundation shades. Like Fenty kind of changed the game, I feel like. They have such a wide range of shades for any person that wants to use foundation. And I've seen a lot of TikToks where women will try out like the brand's darkest foundation shade and it won't it's still too light and that just kind of shows that you know there are brands out there kind of changing the game but there's still a lot more progress to be made yeah i love Fenty. i i, I think they they definitely set the the bar high <laughs> yeah i love Fenty. <laughs> yes rihanna can do no wrong <laughs> <laughs> even though she's not making new music right now that's true that's true <laughs> I also wanted to talk about how amazing it really is that you took this initiative to build your own brand and be that person, like kind of like how we were talking about earlier, to be that face and to be that first and to be that trailblazer. Because, you know, historically, people say like all personal or beauty care brands are all owned by like the same, like seven giant conglomerate companies, like all owned by white men. Yeah. Like some way, somehow, which I think is crazy. And, you know, like as I was doing research and I was, I was reading articles and things like that, because... I do kind of work in the personal care, beauty care industry, like kind of, not really, but I do, you know, see this stuff all the time. And personally, I also do have an interest in this because I think it's fun, you know, but have you ever heard of the campaign called Brown Girl Hands? Not, not that I know of, no. Yeah, no, no, that's really fine. Basically, there was this woman who wrote this article, I think it was last year, called like, Where Are All the Brown Hands? Because oh. I think in the beauty industry... It's always like very light skin or Caucasian hands, like holding nail polish or whatever. And that actually sparked a really big discussion in the community, I think. And this girl or this woman, I think she's still in in college. She created an Instagram account called Brown Girl Hands, where it's exactly like it sounds. She's holding like different beauty products. And I just think it's so amazing. Like we're not alone. I think sometimes it can feel like not a lot of people care right? But there are others out there who are paving their own way. And I think what matters is everyone's kind of doing what they can in their own little bubble to put the word out, you know, like me and Jojo. We love having this podcast and having guests like you on to really amplify like your brand and your voice and the things that you have to say. So yeah, I just wanted to share that really quickly because it was something that I thought was really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And also I appreciate this opportunity and to have the space <laughs> to, to share my story. Yeah, definitely. I think it goes to show that while it's amazing to build your own brand, you don't need to in order to make a difference. You can start an Instagram community or you can like, I don't know what another example is off the top of my head, but like big or small. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like talking about it. Exactly. And like being positive about it to the people in your life every day. Exactly. Yeah. 
I think that's really inspiring. Thank you so much, Johanna, for joining us today for this episode of Asian Glow Up Podcast. I loved everything we touched on from confidence building to representation and kind of fighting back on everything that goes against us in this world in like little ways and big ways. So uh, thank you so much for your time. And if you want to plug your socials, you can find her at... Is Johanna for my personal Instagram. It's I-Z-Y-O-H-A-N-N-A. Is Johanna. And... Message me, DM me. I always love chatting with my community, so you can always see me there. Super active. <laughs> Thank you so much, Asian Glow Up, for this opportunity. I think just by doing this, we're doing something for our community. So I feel super grateful. 